Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, Grayson Foster and I get technical with Inception. One of the best parts of this movie, and really any great movie, is the sound design that helps to tell the story. We nerd out on how that happens and the work that it takes to bring that story to life from an audio standpoint. Having a better grasp of what makes an effective story will help us to appreciate and understand the story even more. He who has ears, let him hear. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me from Nashville, Tennessee is Grayson Foster. How are you doing today, Grayson? It was all a dream, Paul. It was all a dream. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, great. Um, super excited to be doing this movie. And I think I'm actually going to have to do this movie again at some point because you know, I mean, as as the person who mixes our podcast, you know where we normally go with these conversations, right? Correct. And we're not going there today. <laughs> no, we're getting a little more technical. Yes. So, first, Grayson, explain, like, I want you to, to sort of explain your background in sort of the things that you do that you love to do with sort of sound creation Beyond just, you know, making music, which you do. Yeah. So um, besides the music stuff, um, one day, uh, Minute the Movies alumni, Will Branner, contacted <laughs> me and said he had a TV or a, a webisode pilot he was working on and the audio didn't sound so great. And he knew that I kind of lived in that world and um, was producing music and writing music. And he said, is there any way you can clean this up? So he sent it to me and I did my best, cleaned it up and had a lot of fun doing it. And the next project he had, he reached back out and I was like, let's keep doing it. And that sort of grew from me just cleaning up the audio to taking a lead role in um, acquiring the music, uh, mixing it. And then the most fun part, in my opinion, which is the post-production sound design. So adding in any sound um, that wasn't recorded uh, on set in order to tell the story better. So knowing this and, and sort of wanting to get in this technical aspect, technical understanding of movies, I asked Grayson, I was like, Grayson, when you think about a movie that you're like, this is an awesome sound design. Inception was the one that you're like, let's do this one. And Inception's a great movie, great story. I do want to do this one day and talk about all the themes and everything that it sort of reveals in us and just an amazing cast, an amazing story. It won four Academy Awards, cinematography, sound editing, sound mixing, and visual effects. It should have. I mean, the things that it does is amazing. But if you're outside the understanding of how do or how are movies made, what's the difference between like sound mixing, sound editing? Most time people think about sound with a the movie, they think of the soundtrack, right? 
Right. Yeah. You have, you have a lot of facets that go into that. Um, you have the, um, sound mixer is generally used as a term for the person who is on set mixing all of the live audio. Uh, so the booms and the, the lav mics and things like that. And then you have, um, the sound designer or sound editor. A lot of the times, uh, those roles can be combined very often, um, editing the dialogue, the onset, and then also adding anything else that uh, needs to tell the story. And then you usually have um, the, uh, the remixer, or also would be just a mixer as well, who takes all of those things, soundtrack, um, Foley, which is um, sound effects that are recorded outside of the live audio, usually done in like a very big studio, the mixing the sound design, mixing the dialogue. And so they kind of glue all that together and give you the uh, sound experience to accompany hopefully what beautiful visuals the director and cinematographer have put together. From a technical standpoint, winning both of the both of those audio awards and the the cinematography award that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, one is extremely technical. The sound editing is is very technical. And sound design um, is a little more creative. In that team, Richard King, who does the sound uh, on a lot of Christopher Nolan films. And then uh, he, Christopher Nolan uses Hans Zimmer a lot as well. So they have, they've repeated a lot. Um, Richard King himself, he won for Christopher Nolan. He won Dunkirk and he won for Dark Knight. And then he also, I do believe that you, uh, you've done this movie as well. He won for Master and Commander. Oh, I haven't done that movie yet. Actually. Oh, you haven't? Oh, that's a good one. That's actually, I think we've done the first two. Haven't done that one or something. Or <laughs> if you look at, this most recent year of the Oscars, Top Gun Maverick won for the best sound. That's right. I kind of thought All Quiet on the Western Front should have won, though. How come? I don't know. I mean, the Top Gun jet engine thing, I feel like, has been done before, and they literally recorded jet engines, which, congratulations, it sounded awesome. It felt cool. <laughs> it's a movie theater movie. Oh, yeah. I just, I thought that uh, All Quiet on the Western Front uh, did a better job of making you really feel like you were you were there. And again, it, you know, it all comes back to accompanying the visual as well. Right. And I thought it did a, a phenomenal job of that. I know, we're getting super technical. And I'm sorry if you guys who are listening, you're like, yeah, this is a little boring. We're going somewhere with it. This is, we got to sort of lay the foundation for what gets, you know, what gets Grayson excited. But and I think because I think it's important to understand what is the distinction between the sound editing and sound design. Uh, so imagine I sit down and I've just been delivered a project to work on, and so I'm seeing the short film, the film, whatever it is, and I have the accompanying audio that was recorded on set. As a sound editor, my job would then be to make that audio that was delivered to me sound as good as possible, cut out anything that the director doesn't want and make the dialogue as crisp and as clear as possible or anything else that was recorded on set. And then when you put on the sound design hat, that's more, okay, in order to tell this story, what sounds do I need to add? Um, for instance, uh, let's say you're doing a scene that takes place on, um, on a road and it maybe it doesn't start in a car, but it starts with a, a shot outside of the car and it goes into the car. Well, you might not want the sound 
of outside the car going into the car. You might want to start with whatever's going on inside of that car. So then you're using the audio that you would get from wherever the microphone was placed in the car. Now, let's say you want to tell a different story and you want the perspective to be the sound from a car very, very far away. Well, then you might want to add car sounds that put you in that space as opposed to using what it would sound like 100 feet in the air. Like you said, going from inside to outside, inside the car to outside the car, it's going to sound different. Right. If you close the door of a car and you're hearing something that's outside the car, it sounds different. You open the door, you're going to hear it more clearly. Exactly. Yeah. And the sound design is the person who's making that shift. Correct. Yeah. They they are telling the the sound side of the story. Um, in James Bond movies, it happens a lot where you'll see like a big wide, and there'll be a bunch of cars on the road, but you can only hear one distinct car really that's like the protagonist car and it might not make sense that you hear that car but in order to tell the story you want to hear james bond's car or the villain's car or whoever he's going after but maybe they're just all priuses and you just can't hear them anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's true you know maybe you know if you were actually there in real life you would hear two cars beside you more than that car but in order to tell the story right you want the audience to hear that car. And this is something that as I've gotten into movies, you know, immersing yourself, immersing myself in good stories, good, good movies by a variety of, in a variety of genres, by a variety of directors, you start seeing the details. You start seeing what's good. You're like, Oh, this was weird. This is, this didn't land. Like I told you, I was like, "Ah, I'm critiquing, you know, Oscar-winning directors is like, yeah, what did he cut that that way for? Why did he use that? And so, so I think it's it's when you're watching a story, when you're watching a movie, sound is something that we don't pay attention to, but it is a critical piece. Like for instance, if you watch The Shining without the music, it's boring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Think about (laughs) Jaws without the... (laughs) You'd be like, what is this? (laughs) Right. There's so much that goes into the sound piece of things that I think we miss. And so I I wanted to take this opportunity for our conversation to really dive into understanding the role sound plays, the role, you know, how how we hear something impacts the story. If you really want to nerd out about this, I would... I would say pick a movie you haven't seen before, but that is maybe a, a critically acclaimed for its sound design or critically acclaimed for its music. Turn it on, close your eyes, put a blindfold on, whatever it takes, and just listen to the movie and then watch it after that. Because if a sound designer does his job right, you're able to tell what's going on in the story without actually seeing anything. And when you look, like I just pulled up a list of movies with great sound design. And the thing is, they're great movies. The Dark Knight, Inception, Gravity, Wally, Saving Private Ryan, Apocalypse Now, Mad Max, Lord of the Rings, Jurassic Park. These are great movies, but they're part of what makes them great is the sound, is the the, the sound design coming together. To, like you said, the sound tells its own story. 
Right. Definitely. So when we look at this one in specific, when we look at Inception specifically, why, when I said, Hey, why, why, when I pitched you this idea, did you want to, did you want to talk about Inception? It presents an interesting challenge to a sound designer. I would ask you the question, uh, do you remember the last dream you had? Yes. Yes. You can remember the dream. Okay. Um, can you remember what, like, you know, vaguely what was going on in that dream, the people that were there? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what that dream sounded like? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I felt <laughs> like I was supposed to say yeah. <laughs> well, I would be, you know. Oh, you know, yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking of like these dreams is like, I've had dreams, recurring dreams of playing golf with Tiger Woods. Well, that's a cool dream. It is. Super bummer to wake up. And be like, that will never happen. But like, I don't remember bird singing. Right. Or, or, you know, people's voices in the background. Yeah. It's just sort of the, it's like you're in a cone of silence. Right. So it, I thought it'd be really cool to talk about a movie where a sound designer had to tell the story of what a dream world sounded like. What would make it different than reality and what would connect it to reality because we obviously, when we dream, it's enough for it to be believable for the most part. And one of the goals of these characters was to create these dream worlds that were both believable, but that they could control to uh, achieve inception. And that's part of what makes this movie fun is that concept of you know dream within a dream within a dream, the layers. It's, you've almost got some time travel elements to it. I still haven't figured it out yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I went ahead and bought it so that I could get the clips because I'm just like, ah, I'm going to, I know I'm going to watch it again. And probably even after we do this podcast, I'll watch it again with this specific focus of, of, like you said, listening, listening to it more than just watching it. Mm-hmm. So you wanted me to pull a couple clips and both of them are sort of in the, in the dream sequence, but when, uh, Leo's character. Uh, Dom. Dom Cobb. Yeah. A great character name. Dom Cobb and Ariadne. So both of them involve basically Leonardo's character, Dom Cobb, teaching Elliot, Elliot Page's character, Ariadne, how to make dreams, how to construct them. Which when you think about it, it's very meta- because it's a movie showing, talking about how to create a realistic movie in somebody's head mm-hmm. that they sort of create themselves. So this is the first cafe scene where he's trying to explain it to her. It, it kind of struck me very similar of when you were asking me about what's the last dream you had, was there sound in it? It's very similar to this conversation. And then towards the end, you hear her freak out. They say we only use a fraction of our brain's true potential. Now, that's when we're awake. When we're asleep, our mind can do almost anything. Such as? Well, imagine you're designing a building, right? You consciously create each aspect. But sometimes it feels like it's almost creating itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, like I'm discovering it. Genuine inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in a dream, our mind continuously does this. We create and perceive our world simultaneously. And our mind does this so well that we don't even know what's happening. That allows us to get right in the middle of that process. How? 
by taking over the creating part. Now this is where I need you. You create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream and they fill it with their subconscious. How could I ever acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality? Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You, you never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? We're dreaming? You're actually in the middle of the workshop right now, sleeping. This is your first lesson in shared dreaming. Stay calm. Just a dream, is it? And a face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. Feels real. Obviously, this being a audio podcast, nobody saw that clip, right? I hope not. <laughs> Especially if you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> but almost like he was saying is your brain creates the film, especially towards the end when things are blowing up, like the coffee cups rattling and everything's blowing up, right? Right. And if it's not real, like she says, how do you get all of that detail? Well, you create it. That's the fun part. Um, you Obviously, in good conscience, you can't throw a bunch of glass at Leonardo DiCaprio. His face is uh, its valuable. It's worth a lot of money. <laughs> um, so you do things, and we were talking about Foley earlier, and that would be one. And a lot of fun, I might add, but spend all day smashing glass, throwing coffee mugs against a wall, different types of walls, see which wall sounds the best, capturing that, editing it in post and making it sound as realistic yet as intense as possible to, because it all kind of grows there, right? It grows at the end to this big epic turn where she was like, well, why are you covering your face? And then it zaps you out of the dream world back into the real world. So you mentioned the term Foley. Yes, Foley. What does that mean? For for me as a as a as someone who spent 20 years as a nurse, that means a a tube that you put in somebody's bladder. <laughs> it's a really? Foley catheter. Oh, okay, I was like I th- I thought that was a different word. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so what is what is Foley? Um Foley is is the art of uh capturing sound um sound effects uh in a way so let's say um when they're recording that scene maybe they're battling issues where there's a lot of background noise and they can't get the sound of a coffee mug kind of rattling against um Mm -hmm. a plate right so well i could sit in here in my studio and i just happen to have a coffee mug (laughs) and a plate and 
and you sit there and you and they're watching the film while this is happening. So they're they have their eyes on the visuals and then they get cues and then they start to do whatever they need to do to create the sound. And then they edit that and pick the best one, send it to the director, and hopefully they say yes and they don't have to do it again. But it's normally not that simple, right? It's normally, eh, that sounded a little scratchy. That sounded, no, it needs to be more fine china. You're you're rattling a lot of coffee cups. It's a, it's a lot of trial and error, yes. And I think one of the more common um, Foley practices are different types of footsteps. You can go on YouTube and you can find some very, very funny videos of uh, men walking around in all sorts of shoes, high heels, boots, walking on grapes, walking in water, jumping in puddles, just to get the right kind of sound. And maybe that is so that they can have a sound effect for someone jumping in a puddle, but maybe it's, you know, a, a sci-fi movie and they need a different sort of sound where they're on this foreign planet. So maybe they would combine the puddle with a chain dropping or um, they could, I don't know, play a weird note on a violin and add that in there. You know, it's all, it's a very creative expression and sometimes it's very, uh, uh, it's, it's not as uh, creatively open where you could, come up with a bunch of ideas and sometimes it is. So they don't just like Google this massive database of pre-made explosion sounds or. Well, you could, but then you'd be using the same sounds that somebody else made for their film, which if it works and it's not a key moment, you could do that. But, um, I think a lot of Foley artists take pride in kind of using their ingenuity to create a new sound. Because it is, it's it's a it's a full time job for a lot of these people. They're just they wake up, they go into their big studio with a bunch of stuff, a microphone, and they make noises. So what you're saying in a movie like you you mentioned, All Quiet on the Western Front, that when you hear their boots splashing through the mud, that's not actually you're not hearing it as it's shot at that moment. It depends. It depends on if they were able to capture what they wanted. I'm sure some of that could be, but they might need a sound for a soldier in the distance, maybe, or someone that's not in frame in which they would add that. So it, it's very possible that they use what they got that day, but if they don't have the quite right sound or it's not timed right, or they want to tell a different story with the sound, they would, they would use Foley or a sound effect. Which I think is is so fast. Like I've taken this approach now. Like when when a and it's not exactly sound effects, but if there's a person whose back is towards the camera as he's speaking or she's speaking, and there's a line delivered, I'll be like, they came up with like five different lines and took one of them. It's like because you don't see them talking. Right. Yeah. So that would be that's like uh, that's coverage, right? So if you've got over the shoulder shots. Yeah. Um, you're getting a reaction shot a lot of the time, but at the same time, you're making sure you get good, clean audio of whoever is in frame so that if you use a reaction shot while someone is talking that has their back to the camera, you're still using the audio from the take originally, which is sometimes you can catch it. You can see some head movements that don't quite line up with the line. Sometimes yeah. you can catch some uh, lip movements that don't quite line up. But a lot of times it's so fast, you don't even notice it unless you're like me and you overanalyze everything. And then your wife gets mad because you pointed out something <laughs> so small. Well, I, I thought about that watching Top Gun Maverick. You know, as they're talking in the, in the when they're in the, 
when they're in the airplanes and they have their masks on, obviously they're not recording those lines in the plane, right? They might be recording them for timing, whether it's through the microphones and, and the like radio. I'm not sure. I've never, I've never been in one of those planes. I don't know how those, <laughs> I haven't either. how those uh, transmitters work or whatever, but, um, but they would still record it for timing. Right. But then, right. The, yeah, they would, they would go in and that is a, <laughs> that's another world uh, called ADR where you're uh, re-recording audio. What is ADR? Um, for? Do I need to Google it? Yeah. Google it. Cause uh, uh, automated dialogue replacement. It's called, it's automated dialogue replacement, Paul. <laughs> we didn't just have to look that up. But yeah, so that's when um, the actor or whoever they need will go in. And very similar to Foley, they'll have the shot up on a TV or a monitor. They'll play it and then they'll try to say it the exact same way they did. One of the reasons you might have to do that is you've got bad audio on the day. Um, maybe you want to change a small part of the line. Or maybe there was too much background noise. Um, but for instance, in the scene that we just listened to, um, and again, I can't say this for sure because I wasn't there, but that looks like or or sounds like that they had all of the extras on set be extremely quiet. So they might look like they're talking, but they were told not to make any actual sound. They might look like they're putting their cups up and down on a plate, but maybe those plates are made out of rubber so they don't make any sound. And that's so you get the best onset dialogue. And then the sound designer would then take background noise from a cafe and then put that in behind it. So you get good, crisp, clean dialogue and good background noise. But the background noise doesn't interfere with the dialogue. And you're in control of both of those of the um, levels. Correct. Yeah. You're in control of both of those assets. So that's super cool. I never even thought of that aspect of it because typically it's hard to catch. I would guess it's hard to catch di uh, sound in the moment during the scene, isn't it? Depending on the scene, yeah, and depending on the shot, yeah, it can be it can be very difficult um, with with what's going on. And a lot of the times, like you have big Avengers movies where there's explosions going off, and you know there's fog that they're cueing and stuff, and you don't want that, or you don't want the person who's cueing all that's voice in the film, so. Yeah, because there's somebody yelling directions. A lot of the times, yes, <laughs> yes, for for safety <laughs> and and things like that. Yeah, it's really hard to make a movie. There's so much that goes into it that it when you start understanding the depth and what goes into it, I think you start appreciating good quality stuff more. Whether that's the music and the impact it plays, or even the sound design, or the fact like. Music's not playing, you know, like in that last scene, the music is so it tells you how, what to feel, but when they're sitting there doing their lines, there's no music going on. There's no sound effects of explosions going on. <laughs> right. So that's the actor's job to sort of make it seem like that is happening. And then the sound designer's job to make it convincing that it is. And if all that works, the audience has no idea that that is not what's happening. And that's how you win an Oscar. And 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 yeah, if you do it right, <laughs> you get one of those statues. If you do it really right. And, you know, back to what you said, uh, it depends on your sort of level of, you know, how far you understand it. Um, you know, uh, like as a musician, 
it would be awesome. I love when people are like, hey, I really like your song or your voice sounds good. But it's also a little different when a high level musician is like, hey, I really like what you did here. You're like, oh, they, wow, that's awesome. They, they liked what I did because they, they know this stuff really well. And they, they were able to decipher that I was doing this and I used this method of recording versus this one. So I think it's important uh, to recognize what makes it, what, what brings stories to life. And this may be a stretch, you know, as we talk about bringing, finding God's truth in the movies, but this whole idea that Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. And if you have ears to listen to this stuff, you're going to hear so much more. You're going to notice so much more of how the, the music, how the sound design, how all this stuff is contributing to making a story that you love to watch. Because Inception's, I think, is an incredible story. And honestly, I didn't really even notice until we started talking about it how much the sound design had to play the role that that played. So this is the next scene where where Dom and Ariadne are sort of dream training, where she causes the building, where she starts sort of realizing the her power and brings a folds a building in half, basically. Got the basic layout. Bookstore, cafe, almost everything else is here too. Who are the people? Projections of my subconscious. Yours? Yes. Remember, you are the dreamer. You build this world. I am the subject. My mind populates it. You can literally talk to my subconscious. That's one of the ways we extract information from the subject. How else do you do it? By creating something secure like a, like a bank vault or a jail. The mind automatically fills it with information it's trying to protect. Understand? Then you break in and steal it. Well. I guess I thought that the dream space would be all about the visual, but it's more about the feel of it. My question is, what happens when you start messing with the physics of it all? said it's i thought it was all about the visual but it's about the feel of it right yeah the feel and and the sound and because that's all the all the things that make up reality and you have to you have to have all those or instinctively you'd know something's wrong something's up and uh, one of the reasons i wanted to go with this clip as well is because we've talked we've talked a lot about you know the technical aspect of sound how to get good dialogue, how to, you know, add background noise, tell a story. But this one is a, a heavy visual effects shot, you know, that they didn't actually do that. Uh, and they didn't <laughs> actually fold a, a, fold a town in half. <laughs> no, that was not practical. <laughs> so that's a visual effects shot that a visual effects team worked on. And a lot of the times they'll have their own sound maybe just to help them kind of do it, but it's usually not very good or, because they're focused on creating a very captivating visual effects shot for a big reason. This one was used in the trailer 
I remember. Uh, so it's, it's kind of, you're like, wow, this movie looks cool. Look at that world folding in half. You know, that's a pretty long sequence that they have to create all these different noises for what that would sound like. So you you see cars, you've got car noises, but then you have the actual sound of the world sort of collapsing on itself. Uh, one of the key things that they use in that is rumble, which is just like sub sound. It's usually sound below like 100 hertz. that you, you can hear a little bit, but you normally feel it. You feel it a lot in a theater. And if you're lucky enough to have like a home theater with a subwoofer, you'll feel it there. Yeah, I want to watch my movies where I can see my water moving on the table. The Jurassic Park effect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what you want. That's you, And that kind of is where sound goes into another realm where you can sort of feel the sound. And then you have uh, the physical sound of the world collapsing on itself, which um, I have watched uh, a breakdown of this. And I remember him talking about he used a lot of metal fences, shaking hmm banging fences um and then there's also this pretty distinct like almost laser-like sound right before it kind of completely collapses and he talked about how that was um if you've ever seen like a long cable fence if you hit the cable it makes this really cool like warbly laser effect the same thing happens if you throw a stone if you skip a stone uh, across a frozen lake you'll get the same thing so oh. they they threw those in there, and it's about taking all of those different elements, um, affecting them, and then stacking them together to create one cohesive idea that the audience will accept and believe. This is an audio podcast. You didn't actually see the building. You didn't see it folding in half, unless you've seen the movie. But just by hearing it, I think it serves the purpose and sort of makes the point we're trying to make today of the importance of the sound, how it means something. Because for us, for me, when I'm doing these podcasts, the clips I pull typically are dialogue. What is this scene that's that's powerful? But that's not all that a movie is, obviously. It's not all that goes into it. So this is obviously the highest level. <laughs> right? I mean, it won an Oscar for Correct. this. Yes. So how do you... Look at this. Know all that goes into it. And then how do you stay inspired as you're like, as we were mentioning, you're, you're, you're grinding, getting your songs on Spotify. You're doing this stuff. There's a gap, right? Between what you see as sort of the excellence, what, what you'd love to do and be a part of. And where you currently are, I've felt it. I'm watching a Ken Burns masterclass on documentary stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll never be that good. <laughs> well, he's freaking Ken Burns. Probably not. I don't know. That was, a, that was a question that popped into my head of when you see something like that, that's you're like, you because you know how hard it is to do, you know the elements that go into it. What keeps you moving towards that? Um, a, a lot of it is just passion, passion for the subject, passion for, for creativity. You know, I think before Richard King won an Oscar, you know, in the back of his head, he maybe had that as a goal or, or thought that was in the realm of the possibility, but I'm pretty sure that he did it because he loved it. Yeah. Um, and there was a space for him to do something that he either was good at or thought he could be good at. It'd be interesting to go back and, and listen to his first film 
and you know see if it's as as much of a masterpiece as inception or maybe the film was just like a walk and talk film and all he had to do was just make the the dialogue sound good but yeah it's 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 passion it's it's staying in the game um that's a big thing not being discouraged when things don't always go right you just have to you just have to keep trying there's a lot of stories out there i i think we're you know we live in a world of a of immediate satisfaction right now and people want virality and people people want the first thing they do to be widely accepted and to be applauded for that. And that happens on occasion, but that's a rarity. If that happens to you, you know, your, your perception of that can be kind of skewed. Whereas if you're, if you're really grinding and working hard and, and trying to innovate consistently, you will get better. That's, that's, that's a proven fact. If you continue to do something, you will get better at it. Well, like you were sharing before, is you you submitted some songs to your the indie stuff that you you like and you listen to and they're like oh it's too polished like oh that's actually a really good problem to have right yeah going from hey the composition of this needs work or we don't really love your melodies and we think that you could have done more with the production to this is a bit too commercial and polished for us is yeah that's that's feedback that although you know, if you don't get that spot on that blog or on that playlist, you're still like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're playing golf and you hit a great shot over the green, you're just like, I just freaking nailed it. I couldn't hit that any better. How am I going to be upset that just I smoked it? <laughs> right. But, and, and, you know, hitting it over the green is not what, what brings you back. What brings you back to playing golf is that feeling of when you absolutely hit it flush and it, and it's one of the best feelings on the planet. <laughs> thank you for bringing right. up golf. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's another passion of mine. One day, one day, uh, we'll have to go one way or the other and, and play around together. That'd be. That'd be yeah. We can meet in the middle too. There Whatever you, you want. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. Cause well, what are your side gigs is caddying. Correct. Not a passion. I'm passionate about it because it, uh, it helps fund my, my pursuits. And then I also get to play a course. I have no business playing, uh, every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, and th I mean, even that's kind of an interesting concept that, yeah, you do this to help fund your passion and it provides other opportunities. Like you said, you can go play on Mondays. You can go, you can, like I struggle where I live because I live in the middle of like four super exclusive golf courses that I can never play. So I've got to drive at least half an hour to find a golf course that I can just play at, which means I play a lot less because I got to add an hour to an already four to six hour round. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and not to go full tangent, but I, I could talk for a while on the suboptimal Muni golf nature of Charlotte. Whereas in Nashville, we have excellent Muni courses. Awesome. We can yes. go on tangents. So like yeah. Tangents. So you come out here. <laughs> yeah. That sounds better. Well, you know, yeah, I had a ton of fun when I was in Nashville for a morning, just walking around the main street or all the, the country and western bars are we ended honky up in, tonks? yeah <laughs> well at, at 11 a.m they're not really honky tonks <laughs> pick the right day they might be <laughs> yeah this was a well yeah I, this was like a tuesday morning at 11 and 
We went to Johnny Cash's and just because the guy, I was like, oh, I like the way these guys sound. Yeah, walk walk by, take your pick. Yeah, There's usually a band playing in every single one. At 11 a.m. on a weekday morning, they're all full of live music. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Again, that's not a big scene in Charlotte, live music and during the week in the middle of the day. That's true. Yeah, that's another thing. Charlotte's closing down the, the small venues. Which is why you probably, that's why you live in Nashville. It is. That's why I chose Nashville. (laughs) Had I used my finance degree, I probably would be in Charlotte. So as we we wrap this up, I don't know about our listeners. I've enjoyed this conversation. I learned something. I mean, just the, the idea that every sound that you hear in a movie, especially the sound effects, were created. They don't just... They're not just captured. That does, it doesn't always just sound that way. You're running through the mud doesn't always sound like running through the mud. Sometimes it's boots on grapes or splashing in the water or whatever they did. I listed those movies that were won awards for the, the sound design. And they're all great stories. I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out because I was like, how do you have... Like, I guess you could have, can you have a good story without good sound design? You could have good sound design and have a crappy story. It's going to uplift it. It'll make it better. Um, but does it work the other way? That's an interesting question because you could, because there are a lot of films that use silence to their advantage. Quiet Place is a great example of that. There's almost, there's very minimal sound in that entire film. But it's a choice. So that's the main, that's sort of my uh, thesis for this podcast on sound design. Is it's, a, it's a creative choice to tell your story. So the absence of sound can be just as important as the presence of sound in order for the message to get across, whether that's the message of the director, the message of the screenwriter. All of these jobs and all of these hats have to come together, come together to give you the experience of watching the movie. And I would assume if you're listening to this, that you're interested enough in movies to get the underlying themes of how they're written and, and, and the stories, Paul, that, that you and, and your guests talk about. And I would say dive into that even further if you're interested. If you, if you, if you see a movie and, and you're moved by it and you remember, like, man, that movie, you could have a theater, like, that movie sounded great. Maybe go investigate why it sounded great, maybe. And then you can, not only will you have some cool things to say at a party, like, hey, you know that scene in Top Gun? That wasn't actually a plane. That was so-and-so. Um, beyond that, but you that can have was, a better... That scene in Inception, that wasn't really a city folding in half. That was a steel cable <laughs> fence. You'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then, but also you'll have a greater appreciation of uh, of a storytelling device, which I love. I love stories. You love stories. That's why we do this. And having a better understanding of what of what makes it a story and what makes an effective story, I think we're not doing our job right unless unless we investigate that and talk about it. The best sound designs are so immersive you don't notice them unless you're looking for them because you're just sucked into the story. Like there's all this work, whether it's it's a, a book or a music or, or or a song or a movie or a play, right? a musical, you know, a stage performance. 
if everyone's doing their job well, you don't notice it. It's like watching, watching football. If the refs are doing their job, you're not noticing them, <laughs> right? It's bad if you're noticing this guy or, or an offensive lineman. If, if they're screwing up, you only really notice if they screw up. And for a story to be told well, it does take all of these elements coming together. And, and you have to, like you said, you have to notice it to notice it. Because otherwise you just get sucked into that world. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, you know, it, it's wild how, how far it goes. It can even go to the, to the caterer on the day that they were shooting. You know, maybe they served some bad food and someone got food poisoning so they didn't have a great performance it's it's wild how how many people it takes to make these productions come together how important each aspect is in telling a cohesive and effective story like i remember when i watched avatar the way of water say whatever you want about the story the dialogue whatever haven't seen it yet actually how have you missed it i i've been busy I've been busy. I, we didn't make it out to the theater. <laughs> Don't hate me. Well, I won't tell you any spoilers, but it is an amazing visual experience. Like, you know, it won the, the visual Oscars as it well should have, because I'm just watching it as like, I have no idea how they did any scene in this whole film. <laughs> uh, Two billion dollars. That's how. <laughs> yeah. You throw enough money and computers at it. I guess you can figure it out. It's amazing. And you do get sucked in so that if, you know, the sound is great, the visuals are great. So when maybe some little dialogue or, or some interactions don't go well, it does stand out, right? Because you're like, oh, really? That's, that's, the, that's the interplay. That's the conversation they're going to have. Really? That's it? But it's, I mean, $2 billion, as you mentioned, that's a lot of money. But it is even from that one all the way to these these other smaller movies. Like it's a miracle they get made because so much work, so much detail goes in. And I think part of the reason that I wanted to have this conversation was to help people appreciate that work, really the work that you do, because what they're here, what <laughs> what you and I are hearing right now as we talk to each other is not what the podcast listeners are going to hear because you're going to do things to the sound to make me sound more like a sage. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll lower a few frequencies and we'll <laughs> add a little sparkle where it needs to be. And then uh, we'll, you know, we'll use what's called a noise gate so you don't hear either of us breathing when we're not talking or, or you're not hearing me reach for my coffee. Yeah. So you only hear the coffee cup rattle when you want them to hear the coffee cup rattle. As long as it tells the story, that's when you want to hear it. <laughs> awesome. So Grayson, thank you so much for, for talking about sound design, Inception, how, how it works and, and giving me a little more understanding, hopefully giving the people we listen to a little more understanding so that we're, when we are engaging with those stories and movies that we love, we can appreciate them and love them even more because of the work and the care and the heart and passion, like you talked about, that goes into it, um, whether that's their first movie or their 101st, right? John Williams just like nominated for, he's been nominated for 50 something Oscars. Yeah, that's he's wild. pretty good. He's like 91 years old. 
But yeah, go out there and uh, listen to some movies. So this has been Paul McDonald and Grayson Foster sort of talking about Inception. <laughs> go, you should absolutely check it out with that, with that mindset of listening to it and see how it changes how you enjoy the movies that you love. So we hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Who am I to be?